Hello, I'm Timo Bose. Welcome to this week's Net Hero podcast. Oh, Rishi, Rishi, Rishi. Uh, oh, Rishi, you're so fine. There you go. Um, now, he is apparently not not going to GOP27. Uh, I have no idea. Probably by the time you're listening to this, he will be going, he won't be going, who knows. But um, Downing Street have said that it's not confirmed that he won't make some sort of appearance at COP. Now, I actually said in my column uh, this week that I didn't blame him if he didn't go to COP, simply because he's obviously got to sort out the economy big time and uh, the uh, the now delayed Halloween statement um, is while COP is going on. But I do think, you know, not sending the king, if he doesn't turn up, it doesn't look good for us. And uh, you've probably seen the news on either ELN or Future Net Zero about uh, rumours that Boris wants to make a plan. Can't keep that man away from anything, can you? So there are things going on. And my personal view is, having been to COP, uh, as I said last year, I think it was full of very worthy individuals, but there was a hell of a lot of greenwashing. And I still think that's the case. Um, Whether Richard should make an appearance, probably should, but I really don't think being there for more than a day or two will do much good for for changing anything. We need action globally. Um, And the UK can play its part and it's a significant sort of moment, but with China, definitely not gonna send anyone super senior, uh, no sign of Russia, then you can wonder what is what. Um, In other news, we've had quite a lot of stories on policy this week. We've had lots about kind of, you know, what's going on in terms of the uh, UN report, which you may have seen saying that we've not done enough as a planet, uh, as they say, no shit, Sherlock. So um, it's uh, Guterres is saying nations must push forward and really hit the action. Uh, we've had another change of Secretary of State. Uh, Grant Shapps is now the business... I can't believe so much has happened literally since the last podcast. But there you go. So he's now taken over from uh, Rhys Mogg, who uh, fell on his very posh sword. And uh, the other thing that's uh, gone on is um, the end, well, maybe not the end, uh, but the potential end of uh, Jair Bolsonaro, the um, right-wing leader of Brazil who's been now uh, replaced by uh, Lula, Lula da Silva, who, uh, why am I talking about him? Because obviously he's a real advocate for protecting the Amazonian rainforest. And that's been a big issue under Bolsonaro, which is, you know, he's allowed more logging, fires, etc. Um, we all know how important uh, the Amazon is for the planet in terms of what it does for weather, uh, sequestration of carbon, everything like that. And it seems like Lula is very keen to try and make amends and lead to more uh, enforcement um, to stop uh, the degradation of the Amazon, which is no bad thing. So, as ever, politics is in trying with everything that happens and not just here, around the world. Now, a couple of stories before I talk about this week's podcast, which is all about homes. But the reason I I want to mention something is, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you uh, read uh, Energy Live News, 
a very interesting incentive is being put together from banks, which is to say, if you are a homeowner that makes changes, net zero changes to your property, should you get a refund on your stamp duty? It's a good idea. Um, the Trade Association UK Finance has submitted the proposals. And what they're saying is this could help loads of families, you know, get something back if they're making the changes. Because you think about it, you make the changes on the property. If you then move out, well, great benefit for the person who moves in. But what have you had out of it if you're doing it? And this is all part of what the government tried to do with its Green Bank many, many years ago and its energy saving scheme that happened last year that didn't quite work with the building. But I actually think this is quite a good idea, which is you put it in and you get some form of refund or some sort of help uh, recouping what you paid for stamp duty. And that story brings us very nicely onto this week's podcast, which is all about housing. And a really interesting talk I had with uh, a guy who really sits there in the technical side of things, which is, I think, very important. Jamie Bersnell is a sort of technical manager for uh, Bellway Homes. They build a lot of um, new build homes. And Jamie and I had a conversation about what can be done in terms of making new homes net zero, as this is going to be really the way we start to do one of the most important things, which is decarbonize our building stocks, particularly our housing. The home, a place of family, protection, shelter. It's what we all crave for, particularly in our country. We've got this thing about owning our own home, uh, other parts uh, I'm, I'm sitting in Italy right now as we're recording this podcast. People are quite happy to rent and lots of Europe they do. But housing stock, whether you live in it because you're renting, or whether you live in it because you own it, is the biggest challenge we have, right? Across the world, people live in buildings and buildings are a massive source of our emissions. So what are we going to do about tackling them? There are two main thoughts out there, which is one, we've just got to build more homes and that are much more energy efficient. And the other is that we've got to retrofit our older homes to try and bring them up. And you've seen all the stuff around groups like Insulate Britain, and you know, I, I totally disagree with what they're doing, but their message is the right one, which is that we've got to do energy efficiency. But what we're going to talk about today on the Net Hero podcast is the second tranche, the, the, the one that's probably going to be more important as we move forward, which is bringing new housing stock to the market, which is built to be energy efficient. And that's what we're going to discuss today with Jamie Burstall, who's the Technical and Innovation Manager for Bellway Homes. Jamie, hello. Morning, Summit. Jamie, let's just talk about housing. Before we do, just if people haven't heard of you, and I have heard of you, who are Bellway Homes? What what do you do? So Bellway Homes are a a large property developer, national property developer, based in the northeast of England, 22 regional divisions throughout the country. So we're developing housing sites in Scotland, Wales and England. And last year's completions were somewhere in the region of 11,500. So we are a uh, considerable player in that volume piece within 
delivering new properties. Yeah. And you've been around a while, haven't you? I think it started in the sort of 40s. Is that right? That's correct. So we are a, a, a you know business based in the northeast and Bellway Homes have been around a very long time. If we look at where we are, Jamie, we need houses, don't we, in this country? <laughs> and we need quite a lot of them. Yes, that's that's correct. So there's a there's an underlying demand for new homes to meet that demand, which can be you know locally driven by housing plans and just the size of the population. What do you think has been stopping the construction of new homes? Because lots of people say it's developers like you not spending the money, not going to find sites. People say it's planning issues. People are saying that it's just the general state of resources in the market. And the other argument is there's not enough space. And, you know, I've been in journalism for 30 years and it's always been the same story. We haven't got enough houses. So why is that? I think when when we look at the end-to-end process from a developer identifying a plot of land to actually uh, putting a, a spade in the ground and or opening sales complexes, there's, there's a lot of process to sit in between that. So there is that uh, piece within planning whereby I, I think probably with COVID, there's, there's a certain amount of those teams working from home. Uh, there is, uh, you know, I think the planning process is well known to uh, to hold the process back a little bit from a from a developer's point of view mm. um the thought that we sit on land that we own to uh increased demand you know if, if we put that into context once we've paid for land we are we are building okay and you'll be looking for to return capital on that investment as early as you can so actually as soon yeah. as that lands in our control we are building it's the, the trouble is the need is and, and while we're talking i've been looking up the stats and the the latest stat is that we kind of need to build 145,000 new homes per year just to keep up with demand of, of, of the people waiting up to 2020 2031 right and and i can't remember the figure what did you say you you you, you how many units you completed i think we were we're eleven and a half thousand. right so that there are other there are other constraining factors within there as well so no, i get that i get that but we're a long way off aren't we as an industry you know as a country material availability labor availability so uh, you know as well as uh, the uh, hold-ups in identifying land and getting permissions getting consents and moving forward uh, you then have the constraints with material availability labor availability that 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 could hold back numbers yeah, I, 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 can, I can see that. I mean, we've got a new prime minister and he's, you know, the, the, the stuff that he talked about the campaign trail and he's going back to the 2019 manifesto. There was a commitment to build more homes and also a commitment to develop more um, uh, brownfield sites. Um, I don't know whether you've got it to hand, but do, where do you normally build? Are you, are you building on existing land? What, what do you do? Or do you go to green Bell, how how does Bellway work? I think I think similar to the other developers, we have a blend of uh, of development land type throughout the business. So we'll have strategic land at one end, uh, through to the, the the greenfield sites, through to brownfield sites, through to d- development plans such as Milton Keynes, where large tranches of development land are let on a on a ongoing basis so the blend across bellway is, is that there'll be a, a percentage of each and, and that will depend uh geographically where we are in the country also yeah 
What's the state of our housing stock? Um, you know, people probably didn't even have a, a clue uh, before, but obviously uh, I, I bought recently and uh, had to have an EPC done. Uh, when I bought my previous flat, which was 20 years ago, these things didn't exist. So uh, for people who are just listening, let's explain what an EPC is and, and where most homes are on that rating. So an energy performance certificate um, gives the, the customer an, an indication of what the, uh, the uh, environmental impact or the sustainable in, uh, sustainability impact and indeed running cost of their home is likely to be. Um, from a Bellway perspective, uh, our homes are a solid 84, 85B EPC rating. Uh, EPC ratings run on a, a sliding scale up to A, so we, we sit in that with solid B EPC. Uh, I think the average for existing housing stock is D. Um, yeah. Given that uh, mm. the EPC rating gives an indication of what running costs could, are likely to be, um, new build housing is uh, has that um, potential for, for lower running cost on regulated items such as heating, hot water lights, pumps and fans. Uh, obviously, what your EPC doesn't take into account of is your unregulated energy use, such as cooking and appliances. Yeah. But I think with the focus on home heating and development of hot water, uh, then this this solid B uh, EPC rating um, is a good indicator that new builds are going to be um, more cost effective to run, less costly to run than the existing housing stock. Um, what we are forecasting, we have a, a, a change to building regulations that came into effect this summer. We're forecasting that our EPC ratings increase to a, a higher B. The, the, within the B, you have ratings from 81 to uh, 91 on the following. Um, so we're, we're projecting that our EPC ratings will increase to a high B, if not an A band EPC for the interim uh, future home standard. Why aren't all new homes A, dare I say? Why, 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 why don't we just build everything to be as energy efficient as this A rating is? So, and again, this is part of the, the research Bellway are doing. Um, we could, the, a, a low carbon home is not necessarily a low running cost home. So part of the work Bellway are doing is to assess Electrification and space of water, uh, electrification of space and water heating may not result in an A band EPC uh, because of the increased cost. Although you're using less kilowatt hours of energy, yeah, uh, electrical energy costs more more than gas. So to to offset that, set that we're we're looking at the additional um, efficient services, renewable energy generation to to bolt too. Understood, understood. So it's not just like I, I've built this as insulated as I have and I've tried to make the building uh, as efficient. It, it is that the, the element, the running cost is the bit that... that so run, running cost yeah. dictates EPC rating. So therefore, uh, it's a case of uh, reviewing what is your primary energy. Yeah. And so electrification going forward. What, what are those tariffs? And as a developer, Understood. how do we uh, how do we offset the extra cost with efficient services such as wastewater recovery or the addition of um, renewable energy generation where we're putting electricity free of charge in, yeah. into the customer's home? Those things all have an effect on the EPC rating. 
You're building a little project, which I'm interested in. I want to tell the listeners about and that's up near, um, just outside of Newcastle. That's right, isn't it? For, yes. It's, it's called a future home scheme. So let's just paint a picture, right? So describe to me so that, that we can visualize this. What is this future home? What do they look like? And what are the things that are in that that make them so energy efficient? So Summit, they, they look like all of the other homes on the scheme. Okay. Um, That's some weird box with lots of glasses, it Jamie. <laughs> no, so so they're 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 out of our standard house type range and they sit against uh, their neighbouring homes in exactly the same manner manner. Right. So it's it's not like one of those crazy ones you see where people build an efficient home that looks like an igloo or something like that. No, no. Again, I think that's the important uh, important area for us to consider yeah. the archetypes or the the style of the homes. We need to apply future home standard and net zero to those designs. Yes. So so uh, Churchview Callan Callerton, we we have four four homes on there that uh, the the business have have built to uh, a zero dwelling emission rate standard and uh, they are a, an A band. EPC. So um, they're, they're, these are effectively net zero homes? Effectively net zero homes. Uh, right. They're electrically heated and ventilated, so there are no uh, fossil fuel connection, there's no main gas connection. Um, we spent a lot of time at the planning stage looking at A, which plots were we going to treat, and then what were we going to put into the plots. And what was important for us as a team was the question of why are we going to put uh, an item into a plot as much as what it was. Um, again, working on the low carbon home is not necessarily a low running cost home and our objective to put the customer first uh, and ensure that the um, customer's energy bills are, are no more expensive. What we're interested in finding is that Goldilocks zone where everything's just right with regard to the configuration of space and water heating and controller. So all, all the we have a pair of semis, uh, so it's the same house type, but their specifications, both fabric, space, water heating, uh, are, are slightly different. And we have two uh, detached properties that follow the same principle. What are they? Let's do the basics. What are they built of? Are they built of brick or some other weird material? Do they have solar panels? Do they have EV charging, uh, heat pumps? Take us through them. So, so their timber frame construction, uh, we chose timber, timber frame construction because the, the, the site that they sit on are, are timber frame construction. Uh, they have uh, air source heat pumps. So the, the smaller semi-detached types have exhaust air heat pumps that draw their, the, the input air from inside the dwelling. Uh, with a with a mix of uh, of external, the larger detached homes have uh, monoblock air source heat pumps, so an external unit uh, feeding a uh, a cylinder. So on the smaller house types, we have an exhaust air heat pump that sits uh, in, in a in a case uh, in a fridge freezer type uh, layout within within a, a cupboard. We have then uh, a, a range of emitters, so we have plots that have are uh, radiators only, ground and first floor, and we have plots where we're looking at underfloor heating. So uh, one of the pair will have underfloor heating and radiators on the first floor, and one, one of the pair will be radiators throughout. There are also some subtle changes in fabric. 
So um, we've taken a, a, a suite of U values that are in line with the, the uh, reference values for Part L 2021 in one plot, and we've upgraded that to the reference values for future home standard in another, which enables us to assess the impact of fabric against technology, if that makes sense. Um, all, all plots yeah. have maximum roof fit solar PV. Uh, again, that was important for us um, to, to ensure that the movement to electrical space and water heating didn't come along with increased running costs for our customers. So the provision of solar PV was um, was that area that that we uh, that we that we've included within within the specification. Um, there are then uh, a set of efficient services. So yep. we have wastewater heat recovery in all four plots, whereby oh, like the, things like rainwater and stuff like that. You're talking about. We we haven't done rainwater harvesting, right? Uh, so, uh, however, we do have uh, the wastewater recovery that recovers heat from wastewater from showers into the incoming main to the shower and reduces the amount of hot water drawn from cylinders. Is the house, in a sense, can it generate enough for it to be run? Is it basically self-sustaining? It's that they they won't. There is also battery storage. So solar yeah. PV, when, when we look at solar PV generation, so if you look at the profile of solar PV generation against occupancy generation, you generally find that they're a mismatch, i.e. Yeah, you're yeah. generating the most energy when you're not there to use it. Of course, yeah. So what we have incorporated into, into the plots is A, PV divert to cylinder devices. So rather than the excess PV generation being exported to the grid for little or no value, the, uh, the, the divertible device will trigger the hot water function when there is A, demand for hot water and B, excess generation. That way, that, that PV generation that would have been lost for little value is actually kept within the plot in the form of hot water. Yeah. In the detached plots, we have uh, uh, batteries where, which whereby the batteries will charge when there is generation to discharge when the customer needs that energy. Understood. Uh, an area we're also looking at is uh, being agile to tariff. So uh, yeah, I was going to talk about flexibility for it to respond to, 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 to grid demand and things like that. So whereby the, uh, the customer's battery will be fr filled free of charge during the daytime to yeah. be just discharged in the evening. Uh, what we're looking at, uh, we're talking to suppliers about, is uh, a is uh, recharging the battery under a low tariff to discharge in the morning when the tariff's higher. But it, it just it's it's flattening that curve out, making sure that the customer gets full benefit of the solar PV that we've provided. In a way, Jamie, this is very weird. In a way, because it's you you know you used to build a house and you just build a house, right, and then you sell it. Now you're going to have to have conversations, or I assume you'd want to be doing this because from what you're saying, where you're walk, talking to the local grid and you're having a, a, a so that the, the, the house is built already so that it, it can actually participate in the, this idea of local flexibility. It's, it's built not just as a, a unit by itself, but as an integral part of our energy system. 
Yeah, I think I think they refer to that as de de demand side response. So it, it's I think there's challenges for the house building industry with electrifying space and water heating. It is you know one might be securing yeah. sufficient uh, capacity from grid, yes. for instance, uh, and, and therefore the, the 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 better we actually manage that uh, energy requirement on site with uh, EV chargers, for instance, with air source heat pumps. Uh, the, the the better management we can put on that, then the less strain is going to be put onto the existing grids. With all of this, I think you're saying that these houses should cost, on average, about £2,600 less to run. Is that right? That's, that's your estimation, uh, I, compared to an average sort of semi. I, I don't think we've actually put... <laughs> I don't think we've actually put an estimate. There are there are okay. industry figures out there between a band B PC and a band D PC. Yeah. Uh, so our colleagues at HBF and we we've been looking at that similarly. Um, I, th I think one of the good points to make here, Summit, is that when when you look at we've we've covered Bellways of business. What what we actually do is sell is sell homes and the the procuring land and the 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 planning function and the build function is yeah. is, is all a. Uh, to build up to, to selling this home, uh, our, our biggest competitor is always going to be the existing house type within the same mm. area. Mm. So, so the more uh, attractive we can make new build, uh, you know, the, the increases our chance of making a sale. Uh, and, and running costs of, you know, have got to be for, for, for and foremost within that. Uh, this is a very um, pertinent point right now, which is. Do people care, Jamie? You know what it's like, right? People make a, a, a buy a house on emotion a lot of the time. And there's this thing, you know, most of our housing stock is 100, sometimes 200 years old, okay? And people want to buy it and live in those. And I know loads of my friends, I'll never go and get a new build. And, uh, you know, mine myself, I'm, I live in a 30s house, which is not any sufficient, even though I've done lots of work on it. So it's quite a tricky one, isn't it? Which is, We've got to find a way that we we make these new homes attractive. But does that energy thing, the, the, the efficiency, is that now coming more to the fore because of this current crisis that, you know, potential buyers are going, actually, I might give up a little bit of kind of my nostalgia thing to have something that costs me less and is new and much more efficient. So, I think I think everybody in the country are becoming more attuned to, to A, the running costs and and b the climate impact of of housing you know 40 percent of our emissions uh 40 percent of the uk's carbon footprint comes from uh from res uh, res residential yeah. homes yeah. But, but, but more alongside that the 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 uh the the cost of utility the the energy crisis is is honing people's mind so do we do we do people care do you know what I think? I think they certainly do, uh, and it, it'll be uh, some purchases will be looking at the carbon footprint, but I think most will be looking at the their uh, the cost of their utility. And you know, does living in a new build home uh, increase the amount of disposable income they have? Yeah. What are you doing as a company about your own stuff? Because you've got to source this material. You've got to make sure that your timber is from sustainable sources, uh, all the stuff that you're putting in, the PV, that there's, there's a carbon footprint for that. So what's Bellway doing about its own sort of journey towards net zero as a, as a, as a builder? 
So, as, as you know, we've got uh, legislation coming down the road in the form of the uh, Future Home Standard. But regardless of where legislation takes us, we, we have committed to reduce it. Either it's the right thing to do. So over the, the, the last uh, sort of 12 months, uh, myself and some of the team have been working on a certified science-based target. So we've, we're in line with UK PLC's commitment to net zero. Bellway Homes have also committed to that. So again, I will stress, regardless of where future homes goes with reducing carbon, Bellway are on that journey because we want to be. So addressing our carbon footprint, um, you, you know, we have scope one and two, three emissions. Scope one and two is pretty much our, our operational offices, gas and electricity use, fuel usage, equates to about 20,000 tonnes a year. Scope three is where our carbon fit footprint sits. It's about yeah, that's the tricky one, isn't it? it that's it all is. your suppliers and everything like that. It is. So within scope three, we have the use of sold products. I've already mentioned the unregulated piece, the cooking and appliances. So our view on that is that as grid decarbonises, because we've removed our plots from the, the gas grid from 2025 into 2026, uh, our unregulated cooking appliances re re emissions reduce due to uh, decarbonisation of the grid. That leaves us then use of sold product regulated, which is our uh, heating hot water light pumps and fans. Again, we have a, a plan to move away from fossil fuels onto air source heat pumps, et cetera. We'll, we'll reduce that in incremental stages. So I've already mentioned the Partel 2021 will reduce uh, our uh, regulated emissions by 31%. Uh, that will further reduce when we move to air source heat pumps in 25, 26. Uh, and decarbonisation of the grid will take those plots to zero in the mid-2030s or when that grid uh, becomes uh, zero carbon. The other part of our, uh, our carbon footprint is, yeah. is our purchase goods and services. So quite rightly, you mentioned our supply chain. Uh, again, we, we have uh, committed to a, and, and I've carried out a life cycle analysis of a typical Bellway home. So we know where this embodied carbon sits. And uh, I suppose against the regulated and unregulated, the purchased goods and services, the actual products offer quite a large challenge that we, we again, we've committed to reductions. We understand where our carbon sits. So in our cementitious products, for instance, and therefore we, we have a, a plan to uh, reduce that the impact of those purchase goods and services through uh, looking at cement-free product, for instance, or increasing the amount of timber we use, and then move on to supply chain improvement, uh, in, improving transport scenarios. So really engaging with supply chain yeah. to, to look at where products are manufactured against, where we use them, what, how far do they travel, what do they travel on, and what emissions uh, are therefore associated with, with those purchases. I suppose, uh, before we get to the end of this chat, I mean, the, the, the main thing is, um, I, I can see you're doing some stuff like offset your plant trees as an organisation, and all of that is good. But the reality is, all of what we're doing now to get to this depends on two things. One, the products and technology that you're going to stick in these houses or build them from. And two, the behaviour of the people 
that live in these houses. There's no point having an energy efficient home. People just sit there and have their windows all open uh, and, and, and all the heat goes out. So how do we, how do you tackle that? Because that, there are two sides to it, Jamie. You, you can build a great house, but if it doesn't have the right gear or that gear hasn't been invented, how do you make that happen? And two, how do you make sure that, you know, we've got a lot of habits that we've had for many years as people that we need to change. A simple one like, you know, running the tap when you're brushing your teeth. I used to do that for ages. I've stopped doing that now, but it's taken me years to change that habit. You know, shorter showers, all these things. These are things we've got to change if we're going to actually get the, the, the people that are living the houses using the houses to the best ability. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes, I do. So so it's the, the education piece. And some of this is, uh, this is why we're doing the research and uh, projects we're doing, one of which is at Salford University within the Energy House 2 laboratory, whereby we have built a house in a which is in a control environment it's in a risk-free environment because it's not occupied it's really important that bellway I, I mentioned the the goldilocks zone where everything's just right and i've also mentioned uh the uh, potential that a low carbon uh, home isn't necessarily a low running cost home it's really important for us as bellway homes to understand fully how these uh these newer or electrified heating systems work how they react how best to get to control them, uh, what, what packages of efficient services and renewables we put alongside. We need to understand that fully so that the team at head office can then educate site staff and sales staff to work with the customer to enable the customer to make the most out of the energy saving solutions that we've delivered. Uh, without, without which uh, the, the customer might not be optimizing their, their energy use. So, um, for instance, I think most of our customers are very used to gas boilers are uh, a quick cycle. They're very reactive. Yep. Yep. You, you set your uh, triggering your heating from an app at half past four, you get home at five o'clock and it, it's warm. The behavior needs to change with uh, air source heat pumps so that you have this uh, heat pump sat ticking over on standby and you turn it a little bit little to uh, so enable you when you get home so you have got your uh, your warmer home um i think that's really uh, that's that's really important a for us to understand that to pass it on to the to the customer we are then looking at more sophisticated o and m manuals so how can we help the customer uh, run their home we're looking at the helpful home type solution with yeah. a you know a hay bellway prompt how does my heating work uh, hey bellway how do i uh, uh, how do i uh, control my hot water I, i'm scared i'm scared jamie my house is going to be telling me what to do um so summit again what i think one of the concerns with particularly with the greater level of control within a lot of the products you put in that you, you, your customer may end up with five or six apps to run yeah home. exactly and that, that that is a point you know that you know you, you people people are fairly libertarian generally and they don't like to be dictated to by things saying hey turn on your heart we turn now because this this is the more efficient these are all things we're going to have to adjust to aren't we I think what we'd be looking at is a more subtle hint rather than so we're already working with Google with the Nest thermostat that the right. Nest thermostat will give tips and they are just that similar yeah. to your car when you're driving and 
uh, you cost telling you you need to change from third to fourth gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, you get similar prompts from your smart learning thermostat. So, and I think really think this type of technology is is we we need to hone it so it becomes more cost more customer friendly and advisory rather than uh, rather than mandatory. Yeah, dictatorial won't work, will it? <laughs> No, and it's again a lot of a lot of what we our research project is bringing the customer on the journey. So you know, looking at what we want out of the research, so that we're looking at the uh, the performance gap, so that as built fabric performance against as design. Yeah, I've already mentioned space and water heating, efficient services. So there's the PV, wastewater recovery, battery storage, air quality. So mechanical ventilation, heat recovery. Where do we sit with pollutants? Um, so when a customer moves into the home, carpets, furnishings, cleaning products, what is that doing to their uh, home environment? Uh, we're going to look at thermal comfort and overheating. Uh, now these are these are overtly technical things, and uh, you know I don't really want to have some overtly uh, technical conversations with our customers. No, no, but, but you you've got. I suppose what you've got to sell is the idea that look, there's a lot we can do. It's whether the, the, we, we as people buy into this, don't we? Really? I think it's uh, also, you know, you've got to listen to your customer. What does your customer want? What is their insight? What is their view? Yeah. Um, we're spending time identifying this Goldilocks zone, this ideal uh, configuration. The numbers might tell us that, but can the customer live with it? So the, these yes. are all the questions we need to, uh, we, we, we need the customer first in, in this on this journey. Um, Jamie, before we go, I mean, look, you're, you're doing your work there, which is great, this research stuff, and, and, and I've spoken to other building uh, firms doing the same sort of thing. Um, do you think that we can transform our housing stock over the next kind of 10, 15 years to be a lot better? And the final part is, can we do some of that and learn the lessons from new builds to put into retrofitting our older homes? I, th I, th I think the retrofit market has has other other challenges. So uh, the, um, the the low hanging fruit, so to speak, the homes that had cavities that don't have cavity wall insulation, they would have been picked up in the cert uh, market in the in the in the two thousand and tens. The topping up of loft insulation. Um, so I, I think the retrofit market has more has more challenges. However, I would probably put that over to the technical evolution of heat pumps. So if they are, if we are going to electrify uh, the existing housing market to, to, to lower the carbon impact, uh, that's got to work hand in hand with what we're doing managing uh, energy costs. So, so where uh, demand for heat pumps is going to come uh, hard and strong in the next few years for, for the new build market, that's also going to uh, trigger uh, research and development for the for the uh, retrofit market, and, and by that I'm talking temperature flows and I'm talking overall efficiencies. And you know we work hand in glove with lots of insulation manufacturers and MMC uh, companies, modern methods of construction companies, who are looking at uh, systems for external wall insulation, for instance or uh, glazing solutions to make this existing housing stock as fabric energy efficient as it can be prior to adding a, a, a heat pump. 
I think my fear would be, for, from a new build point of view, yeah. improved fabric is in our gift from day one and therefore designed in and built in for life. Um, with the existing housing stock, those fabric values uh, you know, aren't as good to support that uh, more expensive utility cost on uh, electrified space and water heating. So therefore, aid the movement in more efficient equipment, uh, higher temperature flows uh, potentially, um, alongside development of, of cost-effective fabric uh, enhancements. Uh, I think that's where, where I see the, uh, the refurbishment market going. Will all homes be net zero, in, in, in new homes be net zero within 10, 15 years? What do you think? Majority? Uh, so the, the majority, and, and, and I think that depends on two factors. A, we're moving from fossil fuel. It's the right yeah. thing to do. Correct. Uh, we we've committed to reductions in CO two, so we, we we're on that we're on that we're on that journey. Um, from a new build point of view, we are going to be moving towards negative dwelling emission rates, DERs out of SAP. But um, I think the important point here is that once removed from a grid gas network, once the grid is decarbonized these homes become net zero on the back of decarbonisation of the grid, yeah. regardless of any residual emissions uh, that uh, come out of our uh, specification and SAP work over the next five, six, ten years. Yeah, understood. Well, let's hope for a cleaner future. I think the work you're doing is very good, uh, Jamie. It's good because this, this sort of stuff here, we're at the start of a new revolution for house building. I think this stuff is great. So, Jamie Burstall from uh, Bell Homes, thanks so much for joining us on the Net Hero podcast this week. Thank you, Summit. Uh, good chatting to Jamie there. And I do think that's a very important thing we've got to do, which is get our homes that are new, definitely built to as better standards as we can, to be as energy efficient as we can. And then, as we said there, the hardest nut to crack is how we try and retrofit homes that are older like mine, like probably the one you you're listening to me from now wherever you are generally they're not great in this country so let's hope we can get that done uh, a couple of quick things we'll be talking about biomass uh, in the next podcast good bad evil uh, give us your views get in touch check us out on social media follow futurenetzero.com we've got a great bunch of reels on instagram so please start looking at that keep subscribing to the podcast keep listening and remember if you want to be featured then drop me a line nethero at futurenetzero.com until the next time from me and the team thank you you've been listening to the net hero podcast with summit bows from future net zero visit our platform for all things net zero and if you or your business is doing great things on the path to net zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.